All right, Zechariah chapter 5. And that's page 1091. That's where Zechariah starts if you're using that Bible under the seat in front of you. Do you realize that over 25% of the Bible is prophecy? So over one in four verses in the Bible, when it was originally written, it was prophetic when it was written. So it's very important that we understand prophecy, and Zechariah certainly is a book of prophecy. Let's ask God's blessing. Father, we ask your blessing upon your prophetic word, and we are so encouraged by it. Because, Lord, we know that you are sovereign, you are in charge, you have a plan. And, Lord, as we look into the prophecies, we are so comforted in knowing that those who belong to you have a great future. So I ask your blessing upon this time. Give us understanding into your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so remember, the Lord gave the prophet Zechariah eight prophetic visions in one night. And those visions were meant to encourage the Jewish remnant that had returned from Babylon to Jerusalem to resettle the city, rebuild the temple that had been broken down into ruins. And so each one of these visions is meant to encourage them in that work. But as we've also been discovering, each vision is also giving us a preview of things that are coming in the future. So tonight we're going to do the last three visions, vision six, seven, and eight. And so let's jump right in with vision number six. Verse 1, Zechariah, chapter 5. Zechariah says, Then I turned, and I raised my eyes, and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, What do you see? So I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width is 10 cubits. So that's 30 feet long by 15 feet wide. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled, according to this side of the scroll, and every perjurer shall be expelled, according to that side of it. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts, It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timber and stones. So, a giant scroll. A giant floating, flying scroll. It's rolled open, 30 feet long, 15 feet high. Sort of makes me think of those banners that are pulled behind airplanes, you know, as they advertise to these large crowds. 
Big banner, big scroll, can't be missed. And there's writing on each side of the scroll. On one side of the scroll, it says in verse 3, every thief shall be expelled. Every thief shall be cut off, purged out, judged. And then on the other side of the scroll, it says every perjurer shall be expelled. Now in the Hebrew, this is a perjurer is someone who swears an oath and does so falsely. What it's speaking of here, as you see in verse 4, is that it's speaking of the one who makes an oath falsely using the name of the Lord. Perjurers are going to be expelled. Thieves are going to be expelled. And this curse, actually, as it says, is going to enter the house of the thief, verse 4, and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name and will burn down the house, consume the house. Okay, now, most scholars believe, and I agree with them, that this scroll represents the law of Moses in general and the moral code of the law of Moses. And here's why I say that. Those two commandments, expel the thief, expel the one who uses the name of the Lord in vain in swearing an oath. Those are commandments three and commandments eight. So if I put up a little table, you notice that commandment three is right there in the center. I shall not take the name of the Lord of God in vain or use it falsely in an oath. And number eight, you shall not steal. So that makes most people believe that this is speaking of the whole law. Those are central commandments, and it's representing the whole law. And by the way, what does James tell us? If we break one part of the law, how much of the law have we broken? All of it, right? So what the Lord is telling Zechariah in this vision is that all lawbreakers are going to be expelled. All are going to be judged. All are going to be purged. He's telling Zerubbabel, Joshua, that remnant of Jews, I'm going to purge your land. Lawlessness is going to be purged. Now, this would be great news for that remnant. As we've seen, all the visions, they say, you're going to rebuild the temple. And here we find out there's going to be revival. The lawbreakers are going to be expelled. You're going to be a nation of righteousness living according to the law. So that's sort of the short-term interpretation. But do you see that this also points to a future fulfillment? I mean, look what it says in verse 3. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole what? 
the whole earth. So this is also pointing to a future period of time where the whole earth is going to be purged from lawbreaking and lawlessness. Okay, let's go to vision number two. Look at verse five. It says, then the angel who talked with me came out and said to me, lift your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. So I asked, what is it? And he said, it's a basket that's going forth. He also said, this is their resemblance throughout what? The earth. Here's a lead disc lifted up. And this is a woman sitting inside the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the lead cover over its mouth. You got it? Understand what it means? He sees a basket. A large basket. There's a lead cover to it. He opens the lead cover. A woman comes out wanting to come out, jump out. The angel shoves her back in the basket and puts the lead cover back on. And who is that woman? She's the female personification of wickedness. And the word implies harlotry, prostitution, idolatry. What happens next? Look at verse 9. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were two women coming with the wind in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. So I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they carrying that basket? And he said to me to build a house for it in the land of Shinar. When it's ready, the basket will be set there on its base. So two angels show up in the appearance of women. They have wings like storks. They pick up that basket. With the woman inside, contained, concealed, they carry it up between heaven and earth, and they transport it from Jerusalem to Shinar. You know what another word, another name for Shinar is? Babylon. So, what is the plain meaning? Of this vision. God is telling Zechariah, Zerubbabel, Joshua, that remnant of Jews, I am containing wickedness. I'm pushing it down and I am removing wickedness from your land. Again, wonderful news. You take all the visions together. Man, you're going to rebuild that temple. All the work's going to be done. You're going to be established in the city of Jerusalem again. And I'm going to purge your land, cleanse your land. 
lawbreakers removed, wickedness removed. But again, this is pointing obviously something to something in the future. Again, there's that mention of this is a resemblance of the whole earth. So one day wickedness is going to be removed from the whole earth. And, and look at verse 11 a little bit closer. He said to me, I'm going to build a house for it in the land of Shinar. And when it is ready, the basket will be set there on the base. So that sounds like there's a future thing happening for the basket case, right? The woman in the basket. It's being taken out of Jerusalem. It's going to Shinar, but a house is being prepared for it. And the language is a temple. And a base in that house is being prepared for it. And the base would serve as a pedestal for an idol. So this wicked woman in the basket. One day we'll find a home in a temple on a pedestal in Babylon. So something still very future going on there. All right, look at vision number eight. Verse one, chapter six. Then I turned and raised my eyes and looked And behold, four chariots were coming from between two mountains. And the mountains were mountains of bronze. With the first chariot were red horses. With the second chariot, black horses. With the third chariot, white horses. And with the fourth chariot, dappled horses, strong steeds. So the final vision. He sees these bronze mountains and screaming out from between these bronze mountains four chariots with horses, strong steeds. They're wanting to move forward. They're wanting to be let go. One chariot has horses of white. One chariot has horses of black. One chariot has horses of red, and one chariot has horses that are dappled, most likely pale gray. Well, what are these? Verse 4, Zechariah wanted to know. So then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said to me, These are four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord of all the earth. The one with the black horses is going to the north country. The white are going after them. And the dappled are going toward the south country. Then the strong steeds went out eager to go that they might walk to and fro throughout what? The earth. And he said, Go and walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they walked to and fro throughout the earth. 
And he called to me and said to me, seeing, see those who go toward the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country. So these four chariots represent four spirits from heaven. And many times in the scripture, angels are referred to as spirits. So we have four angelic hosts. They belong to God. By the way, do you know God has an army of angels? He's called the Lord of hosts, which is the Lord of the hosts, the armies. And they do his bidding. And so here's four that he's going to call forth. He's going to send the chariot with the black horses and the white horses to the north. He's going to send the chariot with the dappled horses to the south. The red horses aren't sent anywhere. They're held in reserve. What does this mean? Well, there is no question that these angelic forces are God's instruments of judgment. They come through the bronze mountains. Bronze in the Bible is always a medal of judgment. They're on chariots. These horses are going out and they're ready for war. Now, the plain meaning of this is very encouraging, once again, to that Jewish remnant in the land. What God is saying is, I'm going to send two of my angelic armies, two of my forces, and they are going to judge the country up north, which would be Babylon. And I'm going to bring spirit there, a spirit of rest. So I'm going to give my people that are still captive in Babylon rest, and eventually they're going to come back. I'm going to send another team to the south, And they're going to take care of Egypt. So again, you guys are in a great place. You're back in the land. You're going to rebuild the temple. I'm going to purge your land. All the lawbreakers are going to be expelled. The wickedness is going to be expelled. And I'm going to judge your enemy nations. And keep you safe from all of that. But again, this is also pointing to something that's happening in the future. Because where do they go? Where do they want to go? Throughout all the earth. Okay. Time to put on our prophecy goggles. Remember, whenever you study the Old Testament prophecy, oftentimes there's going to be a short-term fulfillment to the prophecy, and it's also going to be pointing something that will be fulfilled long-term. Now, what are the near-term fulfillments of this prophecy? I just told you. All of that wonderful blessing that happens to that Jewish remnant that happened to them. And by the way, all those prophecies were fulfilled. They did 
build the temple. They did have a time of revival, and they did enjoy relief from their enemies to the north and the south. Is there a long-term fulfillment to these prophecies? Oh, yes. God is one day going to remove all lawmakers from the earth. All wickedness from the earth. And all of the wicked nations that will come against his people, God will destroy. There is a final period of purging coming to planet earth. And most Bible scholars believe, and I agree with them, that that final time of purging is going to take place in the final seven years of human history as we know it which is called the tribulation period. And many Bible prophecy experts say that these three visions that we just read will be fully fulfilled in that tribulation period. Okay, so I've put up this chart before. Timeline of the end times. Going left to right. Right now, we are in the church age. Isn't it great to be a part of the church age? What's next on the timeline? I believe the rapture of the church is going to take place. After the rapture of the church, we go into this seven-year period of tribulation. And that's going to be a terrible time in history. Jesus Christ comes again at the second, at the end of the tribulation period, and he sets up what we've talked to a lot already about as the millennial reign of Christ, where Jesus literally reigns and rules on planet Earth. And it is during the millennial reign of Christ that lawlessness is off the earth. The wickedness has been removed. All of the Enemies of God's people, gone, taken out. So all of that purging and that judgment takes place during the seven-year tribulation period. So vision one says that all lawbreakers will be removed and his people will be purified. Well, if you read about what the Bible says about the seven-year tribulation period, the church is gone, we've been raptured, God begins to work and focus and zero in on the people of Israel again. And during the tribulation period, there is a purification that happens to the nation of Israel. They come to Christ eventually. And that Israel that's alive during the tribulation period will be a a nation that belongs to Christ and they go in to the millennial reign as a purified nation. And that will happen during the tribulation period. And by the way, all, all of the prophecies concerning last days mention a state of Israel back in the land. 
And that has not been true for well over uh, 2,000 years until May 14, 1948, as I have told you before. The birth of the nation of Israel, in my view, proves we're in the last days. And the nation of Israel will be purified further in the tribulation period. Okay, remember this vision with the four chariots. Does that remind you of anything? Have you ever heard of the, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Remember that? The book of Revelation speaks all about this tribulation period. And it speaks about these four angelic horsemen that are going to be let loose on planet Earth during the tribulation. Now, when I saw the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see, and I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So you have the first horse of the pocket first apocalypse and it's it's the white horse and this refers to God allowing the antichrist to conquer and rule the world he opened the second seal I heard the second living creature saying come and see another horse fiery red went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another And there was given to him a great sword. So, horse number two, the red horse. War. People killing each other on planet Earth. In a greater capacity like we've never seen. Horse number three. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. Famine. Worldwide famine. In the fourth. Verse 8. So I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Do you realize that the book of Revelation teaches that after this fourth horse, 25% of the world population on planet earth will be dead? Absolutely Horrific what's coming to planet Earth. So you got the four horsemen. Now, understand that the time of tribulation is a time when God will be pouring out judgment upon a world that has rejected. Jesus Christ. And this is after people given lots of opportunity to respond to Christ. Terrible judgment is coming. 
a purging of planet Earth. All right. What about the basket case? What about this woman personifies wickedness, placed in a basket, headed for a temple on a pedestal in a temple in a city somewhere? Okay, this is real important. Babylon is symbolic throughout Scripture. It's a real place with a real history, but it's symbolic. You know what it's symbolic of? It's symbolic of a worldwide system that is absolutely hostile to God. So, for instance, the first time you hear of of Babylon in the Bible, it's after the flood. And people are repopulating the earth and they all go to a place. Do you know what a place, you know what place they go to? The land of Shinar. And they all gather in Shinar. And and there's even this strange guy named Nimrod. He's sounds terrible, right? Nimrod. And he's like a dictator and he's like one of these guys that 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 takes over and keeps everybody in that one area, and God says to the people, do what? Spread out. Go repopulate the earth. And what do they do? They stay put. And in the land of Shinar, in ancient Babylon, they build the Tower of Babel, which is mankind's effort to be their own thing in rebellion to what God wants for them and what God has told them to do. So what does God do? He has them all speak different languages. And then they all go out and they repopulate the earth in different regions just as God said. Well, that system... is also found in ancient Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar's on the throne. He's the world power. And then later when the Medo-Persians take over, this system of Babylon that takes over. And the Bible teaches, the book of Revelation teaches, that during the tribulation period, that same Babylonian system is going to be alive and well on planet Earth. And it's really interesting the way it's described in Revelation chapter 17. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had seen the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet 
She was adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. So that basket with that woman is going to fully mature. In this time that we call the tribulation period. Now, during that time, the Bible teaches very clearly that there's going to be a one-world government and a one-world economy and a one-world religion. This organized system, comprehensive, politically, economically, religiously, all of that under the control of the Antichrist, Who will control the world through that? And if you're alive on planet Earth during the tribulation period, you'll have to be a part of that system if you want to survive. In the tribulation period, it also says that you will have to give your allegiance to the beast and take the mark of the beast to be a part of that system. And the book of Revelation even speaks of a city or cities on planet Earth where this Babylon empire is going to have a capital to it. Now, some think it's going to be actually ancient Babylon. You know, ancient Babylon is in ruins. You know where it's located? In Iraq. And so a lot of people think that um, they're going to re- literally rebuild that ancient city of Babylon and it becomes this commercial hub in the Antichrist kingdom of the last days. Some think it's symbolic. Some think it's uh, going to be in Rome. I've even heard some think that it's going to be the United States of America. Nobody has ever said that it's going to be Kenya Teo. I'm certain of that. Gang, the Bible teaches that we're headed towards something like that. Now, I just mentioned the fact that Israel was born again and back in their land in 1948. Boy, that ding, 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 ding. We're getting close. But I also believe that we are literally rushing forward to this global religion and this global economy and this global government. And it is my opinion that the last domino to fall is either the destruction of the United States or the complete neutralization of the United States to where a United States is no longer a superpower. There can't be any superpowers on planet Earth. Everyone must conform 
and be a part of this new global marketplace, religion, government. And I believe we are headed, and I'll tell you what, I think there is a fight over the United States of America like we have never seen. But one day, after the church, after we're raptured, this system is going to come. And this is going to be something that Satan has always wanted. Well, that system will be destroyed. I love what it says in Revelation chapter 18. Therefore, her plagues, this is speaking of Mystery Babylon, will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her, when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city of Babylon, that mighty city, in one hour, your judgment has come. And I believe that that will take place very close to the end of the seven-year tribulation period. So God is going, you know, The world keeps rejecting Jesus. One of these days, God is going to give the world an alternative to Jesus. And that's the whole point of the seven-year tribulation. Man, let them have the Antichrist. Let them have all this wickedness. Let them have this corruption. But then eventually, God judges it. That city comes down in one hour, whatever it is, gone. And you notice everyone, all the kings of the earth at that day, they'll be crying. Because they're all caught up in the wealth of that system. And then soon after that, the Antichrist will do another last stand, organize all of the different nations that he has under his control, come against Israel, and then we have the second coming of Jesus Christ who will then absolutely purge, destroy wickedness and the Lord Jesus Christ will come and set up his kingdom and gang, there is coming a time of peace. There is coming a time when Jesus Christ will reign and rule. So, I find this so encouraging. Because we live in a time of wickedness, don't we? And we live in a time of evil, and we live in a time of horrific things that are going on, and terrible things. And, and, and my question is, my, my cry often is, Lord, when will you purge? And you know what the Lord says? I'm patient. And I'm giving people time. But please understand this. 
Closure is coming. Closure is coming. One day this earth will be purged. All wickedness, all ungodly, purged. Everyone in line with that satanic kingdom, purged. But if you're a born-again Christian here tonight, you don't have to worry about that. Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And when you place your faith and trust in him, you get his righteousness. All that sin is washed away in your life. And you have hope. And you know what, Christian? The reason, because you have hope, you should then live your life wanting to get other people that same hope. Amen? You know, Jesus said, there's coming a time. The night is coming, and when the night comes, nobody will work. But right now, it's day. And there are a lot of people that you want to lead to Jesus Christ, get to Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight, and you're not certain that you're with Christ, I want you to make sure of that tonight. This is set in stone. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Lord, I am thankful. I am so thankful that justice is coming. And I look forward to your kingdom of peace. And yet, Lord, our hearts break because we recognize that so many have yet to come to you. So I pray, Lord, that as your people, we would be about that business of telling others about who you are and what you've done. And if you're here tonight and with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'll just, I've got to ask you, Are you safe? Are you saved? Are you in God's kingdom? Are you in God's family? There's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. Are you in the kingdom of light? Closure's coming. Kingdom of darkness will be done away with. Kingdom of light lives forever. Are you in that kingdom? I want you to be absolutely certain tonight. And you know how that you can be certain? I want you to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for your sin at his first coming. He made it possible for sinners to be forgiven. And if you place your faith and trust in him, 
He will forgive you, wash away all your sins, purge your life of wickedness. And you will become a member of his family. Saved, part of his kingdom. Have you done that? I'd like you to have that opportunity right now, just in the quietness of your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I bow. I surrender. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising again that third day. I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. Make me a part of your kingdom, your son, your daughter. And help me to live for you and be a witness for you. Take my life, Lord, and and use it to reach others. In Jesus' name. Amen.